today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Today, the 75th anniversary, the commemoration of the, the invasion of Normandy, which was, uh, for all intents and purposes, the turning point in World War II. Uh, for those of you who know a little bit of the history, uh, we know, that, of course, the Allied forces were driven out of Europe. Uh, that, that was the evacuation, of course, that happened at Dunkirk, uh, which has been well chronicled in, in movies and books uh, over the years. Uh, the response, the Allied response, of course, happened on this day. Canada played a major role of uh, the beaches uh, that were the, going to be the beachheads for the invasion to overtake and to retake Europe. Uh, Juneau Beach was uh, specifically where the Canadian forces were. There were British and American forces at play there as well. Uh, today that was uh, commemorated, but it did bring back memories. There are still few survivors of World War II, of that Normandy invasion, Allied troops, and many of them uh, were in attendance, of course, over there this morning. But it brought back memories of what was going on in the days before that. And uh, it was actually supposed to happen on, on the 5th of June, but the, the weather was bad. But as they finally decided it was going to be June 6th, the uh, head of the Allied command, who was General Eisenhower, Dwight Eisenhower, who later, of course, became president of the United States, uh, addressed the troops in a radio address. Soldiers, sailors, and airmen of the Allied Expeditionary Force, you are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. And uh, on it went. Uh, the invasion across the English Channel, of course. Uh, so much going on, so much of a role for Canada, and uh, such a, a historical significance to what was happening. Uh, we're so uh, pleased to welcome Andrea Hall to the program from Historica Canada uh, to talk about what happened on D-Day and to talk about Canada's role uh, on that program and in the uh, the days ensuing that. Andrea, thank you so much for the time on a very busy day and glad you could join us today. Thank you for having me. Very emotional watching the ceremonies today, wasn't it? Mm-hmm, yeah. It, it's, uh, it, I, I, we found this to be the case with Remembrance Day and, of course, when we do these uh, things on, on this very special anniversary, of course, of, uh, of the invasion of Normandy. When we start to hear the, some of the stories of the people that were there, the men that were fighting, the men that, that saw this, that experienced this, uh, there's really, I guess, for those of us who have never been in a situation like that, there's no way we can actually relate or understand just what they were going through. No, not at all. And I think um, part of what we do at Historica Canada is we try to make those stories come to life uh, for Canadians who, who do struggle to understand what these people went through and, and to see it from their perspective. You know, as you were mentioning earlier in the show, there are very few now D-Day vets, but there are still some D-Day vets around. And uh, one of our programs is the Memory Project, which is a speakers bureau for veterans and Canadian Forces members, and it connects veterans and Canadian Forces members with classrooms and community groups so that they can share their stories of service and really kind of bring a personal connection to this, especially for young people who, who have no idea what it was like to live through that time, um, at, whether at home or fighting on the beaches. We, we've talked in the past about that with, well, with your uh, cohort there, Anthony Wilson-Smith, who's uh, mm-hmm. been on our program many times, too. And Tony's been a strong advocate of this. And, and, and telling stories, I mean, that's, that, that's what history is, but telling stories. And, and we can always look at it in the broader sense, and, and that's important to be able to do that. But the individual stories and the individual impacts, are, are, are those are the things that really seem to hit home with us. Absolutely. And I think, I'm not sure uh, if some of your listeners have seen, we put out a new Heritage Minute. Of course, Heritage Minutes are 60-second videos about important moments in Canadian history, and we released a new one last week to mark the 75th anniversary of D-Day. And it focuses on Major Archie McNaughton, who was a soldier with the North Shore Regiment. 
out of New Brunswick. He was 47 years old. He'd fought in the First World War. He knew what he was getting into, and he could have retired, but he went back and fought anyway. And um, those sort of personal stories, like you were saying, of individuals and the accomplishments that individuals made and the sacrifices that they gave up for for Canadians and for their duty uh, was is really what I think is the most powerful part to come out of this. And we heard some of that this morning uh, with the comments, uh, well, with the Prime Minister, of course, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau was over there uh, and read some of the accounts in, uh, of some of the people that were on the beaches that particular day. Uh, this is a day where you said politics aside, and we just talk about these these men and these individuals, these braveries, and some of these stories of courage uh, were, ju- were just amazing. Absolutely. I mean, the Memory Project, on top of having a speaker's bureau, they have an archive as well. So there are thousands of stories online that people can go and explore, and, and there's transcripts, but there's also the oral testimonies from soldiers. And I think hearing those stories directly from the people who live them is, is a really powerful experience. Talk about the role that Canada played in this. I mean, from it, it, here we were, another world war. We never thought there'd be another one after the first great war, uh, in which Canada participated as well. But uh, when, when it happened again, uh, the Canadians jumped in there. And as I mentioned in my blog this morning and my commentary at 810 this morning, uh, most of these men were not professional soldiers. I mean, these, these were, you know, steel workers from Hamilton, uh, accountants, lawyers, uh, teachers. I mean, from all walks Absolutely. of life. farmers. Yeah, farmers who just said, you know, we've got to go over there. We've got to do something about this. Yeah, and, and for many of them, this was the first real action they saw mm-hmm. in the war. You know, we think of the war starting in 1939, um, but for a lot of soldiers, they didn't actually get into action until D-Day. You know, there were Canadians fighting on the Italian front. There were um, Canadians participating in, in the air and on the sea, but um, a lot of these infantry soldiers, this was the first chance they actually had to, to experience warfare, and they had no real idea what they were getting into. Um, and so... There were 14,000 Canadian soldiers who landed on Juneau Beach on D-Day. Um, that was just a fraction of all of the Allies. There were about 150,000 uh, between Canada, the U.S., and the U.K. that landed. But the Canadians really pulled their weight. You know, we're a much smaller country in terms of population, and we it was the Canadian forces who pushed further inland than any of the other forces on D-Day. And some, uh, and, and by the way, your point's well taken, but even before the invasion, uh, the Canadians were over in the U.K., uh, many Canadian pilots, actually, well, there was a handful of, of Brits and, of course, a lot of uh, Canadian pilots uh, took part in the Battle of Britain. Exactly, and, yeah. And, and, and defended the city of London against uh, the, the the Nazi incursions that were going on there. And, of course, there was Dieppe as well in 1944. 1944, and, and we've talked to a couple of the survivors of that uh, who come with us uh, every year at, uh, at our Remembrance Day ceremonies downtown at the Cenotaph here. Uh, and, the, they, and, again, they relive these stories. And I know for the longest time we kept hearing that, well, you know, soldiers don't really want to talk about it. It was just a bad memory. Uh, a lot of them do. And and, mm-hmm. and I think it's cathartic for them, but it's educational for us. It's, it's a win-win situation uh, to just sit there and listen to what they, they, they experienced and the stories they went through, the camaraderie between each other, uh, and, and the fear. I mean, that, that's that's something that, that I think they wanted to talk about, and, and I think they feel a lot more comfortable talking about it now. Absolutely. And I think as we, you know, as we get closer to a point where there are no longer any Second World War veterans left, um, I think a lot of a lot of veterans realize that if they didn't tell their stories now, then they were just not going to be told because, you know, 
there's not a lot of time left that we have with these veterans to hear what they went through and to hear it firsthand. And so collecting those stories and, and keeping them in some fashion, whether it's audio recordings or video recordings, so that they live on for future generations is really important. Well, and, and what you guys do at, uh, at Historica Canada, I think is so very important because history intends in usually to talk about the, 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 the main names. I mean, we, we just mentioned, I played the couple, but uh, General Eisenhower or Montgomery or, or, or Patton or, you know, some of the other famous generals uh, that were involved in this. Uh, but but it's, the, it's the people that were on the front lines, the people that we've been re- referring to over the last little while who, who are, you know, like I say, they're not used to war, they're not used to fighting, but here they are over there because they see tyranny and and they see what's happening, and they figure we can't. And we, I, I think, to put this in perspective, and this is what I've heard from an awful lot of the people that did serve in those days, Andrea, is is it's difficult for us to actually look back on those days and realize that there was a threat to North America. This was not just a European war. There there was a concern here, and a real concern about world domination. For sure, and there were actually, you know, there there were uh, German U-boats in the St. Lawrence River. It wasn't even just an abstract idea of world domination, but there were actually, you know, fights that were happening on our land, on our, on our, in our seas. So you're, you're right. That's, it was, it's hard to imagine now how, uh, how frightening it was. And, and there was infiltration. I mean, I know that there were, there were, you know, Axis uh, spies that were involved in North America and in Canadian uh, soil, as a matter of fact, too, that trying to uh, get themselves into government secrets and things of this nature. I mean, it was, it was a, it was a scary time for, for the world, really. And Canada stepped up, and we know, for instance, even here in the Hamilton area, our, our John C. Monroe International Airport, of course, was actually Mount Hope Airport in those days. It was a training ground uh, for British uh, flyers and for Canadian flyers, obviously. Uh, we still have the remnants of that, one of the only uh, two uh, remaining bombers, of course, uh, that uh, that are in, in, in commission now, one in England, of course, one over here. Uh, so there's a history here in the Hamilton area, too, for that sort of training. And and this is, a, I think, an excellent opportunity for us to just remember the contribution that these people made. Exactly, and and the contribution, of course, of the soldiers, but of all the Canadians as well on the home front who are participating in, you know, in factories and and stepping up women who previously didn't have the opportunity to work stepped up and took on roles in factories. Um, a lot of women went and served overseas as nurses as well. So. A lot of people contributed in, in whatever way they could at the time because they recognized how, how crucial that was. Those stories need to be told as well uh, because of what happened here on the home front. And, and as you say, I mean, for these people that we just talked about, the men that said we have to go over there, they left their jobs, they left their families. Uh, the women still had to look after families, if they had families, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, and then go to work uh, oftentimes. It, you know, they were building, they were in munitions factories, they were doing all the jobs that had been vacated, and uh, they played a huge role, uh, not just in keeping the home fires burning here, but keeping the economy going. Absolutely, and I think one of the things I think is easy to forget, too, is, is times have changed so much since then, how difficult it was to even get over to Europe. So Major Archie McNaughton, who I was speaking about earlier, that's in our Heritage Minute, he went over in 1941, and he died in 1944, and he didn't come home at all in between. He was gone for three years. His wife was at home with two children. So, you know, a a lot of people said goodbye, you know, to some people forever, but even the ones that came home 
had been gone for years by the time they came back and had been through so much that was so hard to understand for everyone who was at home and who hadn't lived through through the fighting. And we've talked about some of the other support services on this. I mean, we tend to talk about the soldiers and, of course, the naval battles that went on. Uh, the Merchant Marine played a large role. I mean, they, they were supply lines uh, from North America over to, to, the, to the battlegrounds, to the U.K. initially, and then, of course, over to the European theater once uh, uh, D-Day had been successful. Uh, and there were some losses of life there. And, I mean, there's so many people sacrificed so much for this effort. Absolutely, yeah. It's, it's really hard to comprehend the, the scale of it and and. You know, on D-Day itself, 359 Canadians were killed. There were about 1,000 casualties total, um, and that's just one day. So so the scale of it is really hard to imagine. Uh, it's, it's frightening, actually, when you look at some of those numbers, especially with the casualties and, and the fatalities that occurred uh, there, and, and to know what was going on. But one of the stories that we always remark upon is, as we've maybe read some of the books and and, uh, and, and seen some of the movies that, uh, that try to depict what was happening, uh, was th- how the Allied forces were able to plan this whole thing uh, and and with such a huge number of soldiers, as you mentioned, it was 150,000 soldiers that were involved in this, uh, whether they were paratroopers or uh, you know, manning the boats or, of course, part of the invasion force itself, 150,000. And and for all intents and purposes, keep it quiet uh, for as long as they did. I mean, uh, I think I think the, the Nazis knew that they were coming, but they didn't know when. They didn't know much about this. Uh, that in itself was a, a, an incredible accomplishment to be able to keep a, a cloak of secrecy over what was happening. Yeah, and I think it's it's really interesting. Um, I'm I'm not a an expert in this, but I do know a little bit about it, and and that they were able to sort of trick the the other side and and put them off the scent. And and even after D Day had happened, the Germans were still expecting another attack from another front because they didn't think that that was the main attack. They didn't realize they were able to sort of fool them into to thinking there was more coming, and they diverted a lot of their resources. So yeah, how how they were able to do that is amazing, just because the scale of the people. One of our veterans in the Memory Project talks about he was in the Air Force and he talks about, you know, seeing there was, I think he said, five to 7,000 ships um, that came over from England on D-Day. And, and he felt like if he, you know, had legs long enough, he could walk across them all the way back to England. There was just, they were so thick in the seas. And, and to bring that all over and still have some element of surprise is remarkable. And we have the Haida, by the way, a dock here in Hamilton. I'm sure you're aware of that. And uh, and it played a role in the days before the invasion, of course, because it was one of the the ships that actually cleared uh, the English Channel of, of the German vessels so that the uh, the Allied troops would have easy access to get over to the beaches. Uh, so many different elements to this that, that, that oftentimes get overlooked, but they're all playing a key role in what actually happened on the 6th of June that day. Yeah, as you mentioned, there there's so many different people. I mean, you can talk about the home front, you can talk about the soldiers, you can talk about the Air Force, you can talk about the planning in advance. There's so many different different contributors to this day, and, and Canada absolutely played a huge role and, and pulled a lot of weight for, for kind of the small country that we were at the time, and still are in terms of population. And here we are with this, I, I guess, our Canadian mindset again, you know, like, oh, uh, well, yeah, we're just Canada. Uh, I just mentioned some of the high-profile generals from World War II, especially when they got into the uh, to to the European theater, the the Montgomery Force and Pattons and 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 Sherman and so many other people that were involved. Uh, Omar Bradley comes to mind. Uh, the Canadian contingent uh, very quietly went about their business, as you say, and were a very effective fighting force in recapturing and and, uh, and emancipating an awful lot of those uh, those countries in Europe as that battle wore on. Yeah, I mean, Canadians are still. I've actually been over. I did a battlefield tour about uh, ten years ago now. And it's incredible to see, you know, from both the First and Second World Wars, there's parts of France where you can't drive more than a mile down the road without seeing a Canadian flag. 
they're still so grateful there for, for the role that Canada played um, in, in the Netherlands as well, you know, getting, as you said, further into Europe. Um, it's well recognized there that Canadians played a huge role and that um, there's reason to be grateful to, to Canadians specifically. Yeah, our uh, Jeff Semple, Global News Jeff Semple, who's over there, uh, lots of media obviously there for today for the commemoration and for the ceremonies. But uh, the report he filed yesterday was actually talking to some of the locals uh, from Normandy uh, who remember, some of them still alive, of course, they were kids at the time, uh, remember the Allied troops coming through there. And they, they were brought to tears just t- thinking about it and reminiscing uh, about actually seeing uh, the good guys, I think is one of them phrased, uh, coming over there. And, and finally, uh, you know, that's what they had been hoping and praying for ever since Dunkirk. Uh, and, of course, the evacuation that occurred in that time, those people on those shores were always waiting. When are they coming back? When are they coming back? So, uh, again, we talk about the emotion of the soldiers, uh, but the people themselves, the people that had to live through this, to actually see that this invasion was taking place had to be just an incredible day for them, too. Yeah, when I was there, I mean, we, we went to a ceremony on Juno Beach, um, not on D-Day, but just ahead of, of the anniversary of D-Day at the time, and... Um, we were all sort of surprised. They didn't know that there was a group of Canadians there. And uh, there was just a group of French people and French students holding a ceremony, and they all started singing Oh Canada, and they all knew the words to it, which was really uh, surprising, I think, to us. We didn't realize at the time I was with a bunch of university students how much of an impact this had had on these people and and how much they still sort of revere Canadians to this day and, and appreciate the efforts they put in. Well, it's it's a remarkable piece of history, and uh, excuse me, uh, Canada played a big role, and and we could see that ab- even after the war was finished, uh, uh, the 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 role that Canada played in in the reconstruction, and of course the formation of the United Nations and and peacekeeping forces, I mean, uh, and a lot of that was based on the reputation that the Canadian Army had developed uh, and the Navy for that matter too during World War Two. Yeah, as, as we were mentioning before about Dieppe, you know, the, it was the Canadian soldiers primarily that were, were sent in on Dieppe, and although that, that mission didn't succeed, you know, it was the Canadians that were chosen for it because they were so well regarded, and on D-Day, again, they were the, the troops that pushed the furthest inland, they, they achieved more of their objectives than the other groups, so, um, yeah, absolutely. Remarkable day, uh, and a great day for, for memory and, and for just, I think, acknowledging uh, the great contribution that they made. And, and again, the great work that you guys do at Historica Canada. Andrea, thank you so much for the time today. No problem. Thank you for having me. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.